So, quick disclaimer for Freddy's audio in the first half of this episode, well, the first 12 minutes, if you can suffer through it, uh, he decided to record this week in the most echoey room uh, on the planet. So, uh, just if you, can, if you can bear with us for that for the first 12 minutes, he does mute himself for, for a lot of it, so yeah. Um, but yeah, no problem, and then we'll be back to normal. Welcome to episode 35 of No Idea Yet, uh, the podcast where we find out, pick a topic, figure out what we don't know about something, have a chat about that then go away for a week, and then research this, and then come back with our newfound knowledge and uh, discuss it then. And that's been brought to you here in one handy package that you can listen to all in one go. This week, we're going to be talking about something I think is, is fairly slightly darker, perhaps, than uh, than some of our other, a lot more lighthearted topics. I see Freddie's head's in his hands already. Um, we're going to be talking about euthanasia. Mm. So not, you know... Chinese kids, but rather the um. I want to give that a second. That amazing hey, joke. To just, uh, that's obviously, cool. keep it low hide. Um, but yeah, <laughs> no, the um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, cho- choosing to die, or obviously, in humans and animals, it's kind of already a thing. So, um, do you do you, do you know what's funny? As I actually nearly chose this as a topic the other week, um, because I just listened to a podcast about it and I thought it's quite interesting. But I thought, like, uh, I think we just had like a bit of a like a dark episode previously, so I, I thought I'd go like, <laughs> I love it. I'm well up. For that. Ah, it's fine. We've got to touch upon these things sometimes, and it's good to discuss it because it's something that we may face in our lifetimes, right? It is. Well, interestingly, I actually had a chat with our grandmother about this not that long ago. So yeah, she's in very good health <laughs> for, for the record. But uh, but no, she, she was very too much, good. Like, <laughs> too good. She was very much. She was like, you know, we were talking about as we get older and everything. I think this is. The foundation of it is, I think, in where the sort of principles of it meet the practice and it doesn't really fit very well. So obviously the idea of like everyone wants a certain quality of life and then if you don't have that, then, you know, you can drop below it. So I sort of I had, a, I had a chat with, um, with a friend of mine who's a, who's a vet not too long ago about this. And she was basically saying, obviously, with animals, they uh, they get put down quite often if, if they're, if they, you know, have experiencing a, like a negative quality of life. And what she, the term she used was basically talking about um, death as a neutral welfare state. So, the idea that if you imagine, yeah, death is like a zero point, and then life ideally should be better than that. It should be, you know, positive numbers. Um, but obviously, there is possible to have a life that is worse than that. You know, which is obviously what we deem for animals invariably if we decide to put them down. And that is true of humans as well. Of course, you know, there's plenty of lives. You know, imagine if you're, you know, very late stages of dementia, or you know, you're completely paralyzed, or you know, all sorts of, um, you know. Well, you could argue there's an argument to be made. I'm not, I'm not saying it obviously is because you know, and only really the person who's living that life could dis- determine whether or not it's you know, um, better or worse. But there is an argument to be made there. But obviously, it's completely legal because obviously, the amount of abuses that could come if it was legalized would be would be terrifying. So, so, so a fun thing. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I don't, I don't, no, no, go, go on. Uh, a fun yeah, thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, for me, I find everything fun. Um, <laughs> It, there's there's different like definitions for it. So when you think euthanasia, I can't remember the actual definitions. So this I need to look up. But there's different forms of either it's assisted suicide, it's assisted dying, things like this, and also on what scale you would choose to. Because is it just a case of I'm just not very happy? Maybe you've got like um, MS or something, and I'm really struggling to live, and I want to die. It's not that you're terminally ill, so it's not si- assisted dying. It is actually assisted suicide, which is mm. the clear difference of you're not going to die anytime soon, but we're killing you because of a, your quality of life. Whereas somebody who is terminally ill, they're like, I am dying of cancer. I've got maybe six months to go. 
but it's excruciating pain all the time. I want to die. That's assisted dying. And then, yeah, so I think those are the two main types. And it's a case of the ethical things between the two to say, like, there's different forms of when you'd say, or do you know, like another thing would be like uh, dementia, for instance, or something like that, mm. of like, you know, what are the reasons? And also, when are people able to say, yes, I want to? Or when is it for us to say, oh, actually, I think you would want to? So, like, yeah, right. Well, that's, I, uh, that's obviously, yeah, the very, the very dark side of it. We all. Crooks. Oh, you've got, got an older relative. Oh, you know, they've got, they've got some money. Oh, well, you know, bump them off. Oh, yeah, they, they want, you know. So obviously it is, it gets to be very difficult in all sorts of areas, which is why it is, I guess, still illegal now. Mm. Um, I think a common thing is like, I find my granddad said it of like, if I, you know, oh, if I ever get like that as in like dementia, just just shoot me. Yeah, I mean, that's I think, a very common uh, sort of, you know, yeah, yeah uh, opinion to hold. I mean, a scary thought is just, I mean, for my thought of what would be the ter- terrifying idea of dementia would be, imagine you are now say 25 you're 30 happy going about your life and suddenly click you're in an 80 year old's body and you've no idea how you got here um i don't think it's necessarily like that but that thought of like if you to be that aware of suddenly like well, what happened what well last time i checked i was like 25 30 it's like no no you're old you're in a retirement home and you've lived your whole life it's like well i don't remember living my whole life what do you mean um that was just a terrifying thought well, we touched upon that in another episode, didn't we? And it was we did memory crushing. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, so um, it's like I say, it's it's certainly a difficult point, right? Because it's, it's you know you could go into it with the best intentions of oh you know to like you say to improve people's quality of life. If it, it sounds sounds bad, but obviously if death does bring that to a better place than it was before, then it is like okay, that's a fair argument to be made. But obviously in practice, it's the the amount of um, abuses that this would it would it would entail if there was like, oh yeah sure go for it like if the government was like yeah no worries yeah crack on if you want to you know so, so can yeah. i ask a question please do. what if in the future there was an alternative to euthanasia in which medicine reaches a point where perhaps not that you can cure everything but you can remove all pain just I don't know, a pill that just like it takes away all the pain you're still in a very unhealthy body or a very sick body but it just removes the pain aspect but could a byproduct of this could just be that you're kind of a vegetable or that you don't you can't really do much for yourself you're just not suffering yeah that's right. what I mean. pump pump and full of morphine and then like that basically. yeah basically what i'm getting at is if you can remove suffering but they're still not living a life to the fullest but they're that, still not happy about it right? like, yeah, quality system. of life though, there's more than just pain in terms of quality of life there's more than just pain right Obviously. Well, exactly. But then would that spin euthanasia, is what I'm saying? If people were like, well, you're not suffering, suffering, so then we're going to keep you alive. I, the huge point of that is, like, say, the only person who can determine the quality of life is the person living that life, right? You have no idea what's going on between someone's ears. Like, you know, you've got to... No, fair enough. Yeah, and when you say suffering of, like, say if you were, like, effectively saying locked-in syndrome, that would be suffering because, yes, you may not be in pain, but psychologically and emotionally you are suffering, so... I guess the pain side would be different, but unless you were saying like you just click off the sensors, so they're just a vegetable now. They're not dead, but they're not suffering, kind of thing. And then I was just trying to find a spin that would basically be not basically people arguing that like death is still worse, kind of thing, because that's the that's the problem. Is that people death's so final, and that's that's it, yeah. and you can't go back on it. Um, and so, if people are trying to look for a solution, even if actually death is the better course in some regard, I don't know. It's hard. One thing could be as like an alternative um, w- would be the idea of uploading. So, say if we got to a San point Junipero of... by any chance. <laughs> oh, I'm not sure. What... 
That's the Black Mirror episode where they uh, where you oh, get loaded to the cloud, of, you know, when you die. Oh, you sort of living so there's been a few things coming out now. I mean, I, I remember I've got it written down somewhere. I've had this thought ages ago about oh, I don't know, it doesn't matter, but um, that idea of what would you do? Say if you could upload your consciousness to an afterlife, effectively. So like life 2.0. So like, are you getting old? How about uploading your consciousness rather than dying? Like, if it, effectively being like, <laughs> like, say if somebody's religious, you're saying like, are you betting that there's something after life, or do you want to not risk it and just go upload your consciousness into some heaven, uh, effectively? Um, but with that, you'd then have the thing of like, would you get rid of the body? Would you? So therefore, you'd kill the technical biological life, but not necessarily your virtual life. I think yeah, Black Mirror does dive into this in such a such a you know, Charlie Brooker in his mind this is is incredible, um, but yeah, no, I I think like that, that was obviously is very subtle at the moment, but not maybe maybe within our lifetimes. Um, I think that obviously does then bode of quite a terrifying idea of what, if that goes wrong and then you're trapped. You know that that does seem like you know because then mm. time would be there is no out right if if you then were stuck there or something went wrong and then you could literally have you know you have to just be yeah. Yeah, but the thing you said about the abuse of it previously of a one thing say if somebody is got so the actual term is demented which i find really weird because i only know that from harry potter already so say if you are demented um and say you you could say oh they had a moment of clarity and they wanted an assisted suicide and say if that was a legal case but then they went back to having the, the fog effectively how do you know somebody and so usually you have a is it power of attorney that you'd have um no your somebody signs away effectively say if you're really old you could sign away um some things to your kids mm. um lasting power I think it is lasting power of attorney yeah. of attorney yeah so it's something like that of like when do you would would it be something like say you'd be like well it's legal but you can't do a lasting power of attorney or a case of when are you, you when, yeah at what point are you sort of mentally stable in this because it's not like a one day you're you are and the next day you're not you have to be sort of yeah compass and it's not like you know in, in, in good health when you when you when you can make clear decisions but then suddenly you're not it's yeah it's not like the vets where you're like yeah you're probably suffering so we're just gonna put you down <laughs> yeah um, I, I guess <laughs> the, that's the stakes are so much like you know realistic stakes are so much lower there that that yeah the, um however much money worth is worth everyone's personal idea mm. of life is the most precious thing to them yeah, but do, so do you think that obviously we therefore as a society place far greater value on human life than we do on animals lives do you think that's that's right do you think there is some Intrinsic thing about human lives that is, you know, infinitely more valuable. Um, I'd definitely say to definitely within our own community, of course there is. Hmm. Um, yeah, but I, I guess I wouldn't either take the, the the vegan side to be like we're completely the same and therefore like hmm. animals should have as many rights as humans because it doesn't really work that way to be honest. Um, it's like giving a kid like access to a nuclear power plant of like look how much you can i've given you all the power in the world or you no know, let's say like you're making the ceo to a, a baby and it's like look you've got all the power in the world and it's like well can't use it as a baby you don't know how to run a company you've lost me there with that analogy mate i guess i was saying for more like the idea of like if you to say like humans and animals are completely on the same basis with the exact same rights it just kind of doesn't make a huge amount of sense because of the, the because dog, because dogs doing. would make terrible CEOs and babies. Yes, effectively. <laughs> um, yeah. I like it. So, um, I think we can call that a day there for this half. If um, if there's nothing else, I think uh, more of our thoughts on this will will sort of evolve and uh, with the, some research this week. We'll see you 
um, in a few moments. And we'll be back with some more thoughts on this. I've done such good research on like all the different types of kids in Japan, Korea. <laughs> Welcome back to this week's second half of Euthanasia, uh, where we are talking about euthanasia, funnily enough. Last week, I asked the guys to go away and have a look at them things regarding neutral welfare state, uh, the different countries and their policies, um, what the official line is in the UK, uh, and then obviously to look at some individual stories and things that uh, that, that came across as particularly valuable uh, in this in this area. Uh, so we're going to go over to Johnny, of course, for the definition. The best time of the week uh, is from yep. euthanasia. So so I'll go into a bit some of the forms as well. I think Freddie, I think you've got some of the some of the forms as well. But I'm just going to steamroll ahead of that. Um, so euthanasia itself is from Greek, meaning good death. So um, <clears throat> another thing is is the practice of intentionally ending life to relieve pain and suffering. Another, ex- there's diff- I think there's a different kind of like description, so we'll go a bit into the forms of it. Or the painless killing of a patient suffering from an incurable and painful disease or in an irreversible coma. So, like, the th- so there's, there's three kind of like words which are very similar but are all different. So, one is assisted suicide, so that's sel- helping somebody to kill themselves. There's assisted dying, which is more of a case of letting them die effectively you're helping them to die rather than so you're not actively so suicide would mean somebody's not gonna die assisted dying means they're gonna die and you're kind of helping along and then euthanasia is different because that is somebody actively ending someone else's life for usually for the purpose to have a good death um but like so i'll go into the forms of it for there's active or sometimes called aggressive euthanasia and that's effectively killing a patient um you'd have passive I'm using killing as a maybe a bit more of an aggressive word, but I guess anyway. well, it works for the purpose of this. But yeah, yeah. I think I know. Uh, passive, letting a, a patient die, um, and withholding artificial life support. And some ethicists distinguish withholding and withdrawing. So some would say they need to go on life support. Actually, we're not going to do that. Therefore, it's a passive euthanasia. The other could be where some would argue withdrawing it. So if they're on life support and you take it off, technically some would say is that active or is it passive so then you have voluntary and voluntary so voluntary is at the request of the person involuntary or non-voluntary is when the person is unconscious or unable to make the decision sometimes that could be low intellect or i think in some cases can even mean a child who although maybe emotionally and like mentally capable they are unable to because they're too young to make the decision i think it depends on the country though um and it the involuntary and involuntary the involuntary can also include murder so sometimes it could be a case of where somebody's you know like the for the ethics it could be a bit more like mm, someone didn't specifically say that and they would never would have been able to say that so could you say it's euthanasia and like so that's another point effectively then there's indirect which is usually treatment to reduce pain which also speeds death so since the primary intention is not to kill somebody this is seen by some people not all as morally acceptable so maybe you're giving a lot more morphine and it's not it's, it's reducing the pain first and foremost but it is also speeding along their death and then you have assisted suicide um, and that's where someone who's wanting to die and they need help to do it and it can even be as simple as acquiring drugs 
for them and that would be so in the case of a doctor be physician assisted suicide or it could even be something as someone just putting some drugs in front of somebody um and that's not necessarily euthanasia because yeah it's not euthanasia because the assisted suicide part is the person is doing it themselves but they may need help and it even goes to some like court cases of where like in the uk where it's illegal assisted suicide even helping somebody get onto a plane to go to somewhere where it is that could be classed as assisted suicide and therefore yeah. illegal because you'd be able to say like without your help they wouldn't have been able to do it so um i'll there's like more but i guess we'll go into different things as well so i like that yeah Freddie. Freddie, any, anything that, that, that what johnny just said there might have to be jump out to you um from your research this week well yeah i mean he's hopefully, it, hopefully but... one or two bits yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, there's there's huge dis- there's huge overlaps in a lot of these things. I mean, mm. the general like uh, Johnny was saying, the general oversight oversight is um, active and passive, right? So mm. like some some people even make a distinction with types of passive, like Johnny was saying about like actively oh, helping someone or just watching someone die, like not actually doing anything could actually be a passive euthanasia if you could potentially save someone's life and you let them die which definitely pops up a lot in media you don't think about it as euthanasia but like let's say in a movie someone's you know abused someone else and then they get into an accident and the abusee doesn't oh the abuser yeah abusee doesn't do anything and watches that person die and like that could be classed as euthanasia which is very strange that seems to contradict quite heavily with the good death part of it right Totally. Um, also, I found very interesting because I spoke murder. to. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I spoke passive to. Passive murder. <laughs> yeah. Post passive yeah. manslaughter. Murder. Uh, I spoke my... to my German friend about this because um, I'm here with some Germans. And he was like, oh, euthanasia. Yes. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. And then I was like, yeah, you know, like helping someone die if they want to. And he's like, what? No. <laughs> Not at all. Like, th- the you like actually helping someone die or assisted suicide or whatever is way more specific in germany ever since a few things happened in their history <laughs> where um it it was classed as euthanasia what the nazis were doing and um so this was an this was it took a lot of um specificity in german law now even though it's still not legal in germany Mm. Um, that's the, well, I mean, the fundamental issue would, would be, like I said, in the, in practice, the, the loopholes and things in it. But I guess so in a, in a place where in a, or in a time that it's been abused so heavily, mm. then that yeah, they've just basically tightened up those loopholes, right? Yeah, well, yeah. There's a, we're going to get into um, more litigation in place too. To we're going to get into some of the philosophical points in a second because I, I, I found that really interesting. But basically, yeah, sure. the the counter of the the concept of saying that the Nazis euthanized is that no record of Nazi doctors either killing or assisting in the suicide of a patient whose suffering was who was suffering intolerably, and therefore, um, in modern euthanasia, we'd say it's for alleviating suffering or potential suffering. If you mm. talk about newborns, which I also did research, I was going to say yeah. So that's another thing that we obviously kind of come with the whole because there's a lot of overlap here with like pro-life, pro-choice kind of um, arguments with abortions. Um, could I say so, one yeah. thing before we change on to Please could do. you say there was a difference between euthanasia which is good death and a mercy killing which is more of a case of I, I, I mean it's just terminology but I guess in the sense of that I'd be like there's the differences and there one is putting someone out of the misery and the other is actually maybe having actual a better almost like a, a quality of end of life 
if you know what I mean, mm. rather than just like, I'm stopping your pain. It's more like, no, actually, it's, it's the whole, it's a good death. It's not just like it stopped because to put you out your misery, it's more of a, right. you know. I think a lot of it as well as that whole agency argument, right? There's people want their independence and they want their ability to choose, especially if they've got a terminal illness, then sort of the last decision they really have is 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 when and how they want to want to want to go so well yeah lots of countries have a big thing about um voluntary and involuntary euthanasia which johnny touched upon so Mm. non-voluntary is that the patient's consent is unavailable whereas involuntary is without asking consent or against the patient's will and that like finding a way of separating those two is really important um and so yeah i hope that absolutely yeah babies Oh, you want me to talk about? Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, if, you, if you want to go well, on to, we talk about the, yeah, the agency and, and the, um, the the whole idea of voluntary and what is best for the person and the person having a say in it. That obviously comes into issues when you when you're talking about infants and obviously unborn children. Um, what do you? And again, obviously, this ties completely into the pro-life, pro-choice. I think I'd be right in saying that all three of us are fairly pro-choice. Wait, mine's mine's a, a different one because me personally. For like i think especially as a christian I'd, I'd say like for my views of what i'd personally do in a situation i'd effectively be pro-life but i don't believe i would enforce that on anyone because that's not my place to do it so for me i would for in any governmental rule it should be that you have full autonomy over your body and i believe that what i may do personally is different but i think it's should people should be allowed the choice to do that if you know what I mean, so I yeah. don't feel that I have yeah, no, any right. I, I, I wasn't saying we were all yeah. going to be hardline pro pro choice. No, no, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even. Yeah, yeah. No, and the same, especially even from a Christian aspect, I'd be like, I believe that like you shouldn't force, you you should want somebody to follow you rather than forcing them to do it. If you know what I mean, because then it's like, what's the point though? Mm. Otherwise, it's just like indoctrination and just it's pointless, isn't it? So yeah, so for me, like my personal choice is different with what I think what the government should do, which I feel government should realistically be more secular in a sense because it should be like people should have choice rather than having it forced on them which i feel then isn't an yeah. organic and I think that's, that's one thing when you look into individual stories about this phrase is they're, they're all very individual and they're all very mm. like making some any sort of litigation for that that can be an overarching right or wrong for, for when there's such specificity in in the different cases is actually very difficult to do right but we have to yeah <laughs> we oh, right it's a difficult job we, but it's, it's a necessary one yeah bringing well because i mean oh just just for anyone who cares uh i think a woman's body is her own and she can do what she wants with it probably quite late <laughs> in the game actually because um, i guess i have more attachment towards the person who's having the child than the child yet right like it's i think it's her mm. up to her she can do what she wants um as long as it's safe and it's safer if it's legal um, would you be interested in because you see the newborns thing is super important with this making a line yes kind cutting of the line with what right. is allowed and isn't allowed so you fun see fact just oh before. god it's not gonna be a fun fact it's not <laughs> gonna be a fun fact it's, it's a really good debate i watched between for abortion it's like the most like good discussion without getting heated or like emotional and they found of countries where it's legal up to effectively birthday I thought of for abortions you actually find the natural cutoff so do you like where you find it becomes illegal in most countries is actually even where it is fully legal they naturally cut off anyway so you you it's a really rare to find late stage abortion because by the time usually for a woman who's pregnant they can feel there's something in them and usually get attachment to it so you'll find usually where it becomes illegal if you think of a graph it gets lower and lower to that date 
even when it is legal, you naturally becomes lower and lower anyway. So it's kind of like we made it a, a legal barrier, but there's almost like a natural barrier anyway, because I think people are aware of almost the autonomy, if that's the right word, of something living inside. Yeah. It's just, so it's, but it's a cool little thing to see like how things are. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense that they probably didn't just pick a date randomly right when they made the law. <laughs> but uh, it is, it's good to know that like, uh, there is a correlation there, for sure. Against yeah. us. At 11.59, <laughs> a doctor is legal, and then at 12 o'clock, one minute, second past, it's fully illegal. And why is it that that one second makes a difference of whether someone goes to jail or not? Well, you need to have a line, don't you? The same reason that there's an age limit on drinking. It's kind of a, you're not going to be that much of a different person. The day before your 18th birthday or the day after, but you need to have a Well, that's why I guess if I was going to be a true biologist, I'd say there's probably actually a biological point of a person that you could say would be good or bad for both drinking and for um, <laughs> abortions. Just that if you could actually conduct a study and be like, oh, look, this, this has got to this point of maturity by this point. Yeah, it's a bit early or yeah, it's a bit late. But actually with definitive proof, that would probably be better than an arbitrary time. But that's just me. Hmm. So on to my point, Jonathan. <laughs> Sorry, we're late. Is that yeah? I just like to preface all of these points by basically reminding everyone that actually in ancient Greece, especially with like Spartans, non-voluntary euthanasia of children was commonly practiced, actually as an early form of eugenics, um, as in the belief um, practice of improving genetic quality of humans by withdrawing care of unqualified children and it sounds weird unqualified but like if they were like right this kid's not going to be strong enough or they put it in a bowl of water to see if it can swim if it doesn't swim it drowns it's like well cool it was weak so um this was actually common practice and totally accepted and the point this is important because one of the arguments for well against this is that we don't know how we're going to feel in the future when we look back on the decisions we make now and um, this will all tie, tie into um sadly uh, child um, euthanasia so basically the first general argument is the slippery slope argument is that agreeing to A as in yep yeah, um, these really 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 young children or even in the womb children are too genetically uh, uh, di disabled that they're not going to have a good life or they're not going to survive at all so we should kill them and B, which is, oh no, it, like, we don't agree with killing, like, um, adults or children who are older, who who have actually got to an older point. There's an argument that the slippery slope means that you st agreeing to A, eventually you agree to B, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. So the issue is because the difference between A and B is a concept, and it's not a mathematic fact, right? It's like, like you said before about having the line, it's like, oh, right, after their 15th birthday, we can no longer kill them it does it's that's not how like that's not how life works you can't deal with this um so jonathan glover in 1977 was saying if it is allowable at birth for children with some grave abnormality what will we say about an equally grave abnormality that is only detectable at three months or six months or a bit later or not quite as serious but it's at birth basically like how do you yeah, figure out yeah. where it stops and so generally the counter of this is that actually um, the distinction between A and B is not a logical inconsistency. It's actually a poor choice of principles. Like if you choose your principles carefully enough, you can have purpose to it. Um, but the, another option is actually just to accept the consequences. Like eventually 
people will make mistakes or not even mistakes, but like there will be times when it doesn't match up and you just have to accept it. And you kind of learn have to mistakes. take that. Well, not Always. learn from your mistakes. I'm saying that people are going to find loopholes and you're just going to have to deal with that loophole. And yeah, you can't just have a complete up. non-start or something like that. You've got to set the ball rolling and uh, yeah. Go with yeah. the flow. <laughs> oh, Max. Um, so another issue is that if once we allow voluntary euthanasia, um, we may or will fi- fail to make a crucial distinction and then we will have to make the morally unacceptable outcome of allowing involuntary euthanasia. Um, this is the second um, slippery slope argument where if we start off with totally voluntary and go backwards, whereas um, just to remind everyone that the first distinction was n- newborns who have no knowledge or able mm. ability to say no. Um, and that even if we make a relevant distinction between um, voluntary and eventually involuntary, we will not act accordingly for some reason, potentially political or some form of like moral judgment. And this is a really big issue because as um, David Enoch says in 2001, we don't know how society will change in the future and it always does. Um, So I just want to throw in one other important thing to this is that the arbitrary line, which is coming up with, right, this is allowed and this is not allowed is actually similar to the paradox of the heap and the paradox of the heap is when you have like a pile of sand or something and just removing one grain of sand doesn't actually change the heap but if you keep removing one like um grain of sand eventually the heap is no longer a heap it's Mm -hmm. five grains of sand or something so it's basically like where is that line that's that's what people who are arguing where there is no line is that you that it's it's impossible to yeah, just leave us? Yeah, exactly. yeah. So um, one person did argue, uh, Leo Alexander brought up the argument that in the events of the Holocaust during the Nuremberg trials, um, that potentially the origins of the Nazi programs could be traced back to small beginnings and presented a slippery slope argument. But as I pointed out earlier, um, there was no record of Nazi doctors actually killing for um, insufferable toler- um, ins- intolerable, intolerable suffering. And mm. so people would say this is a completely different issue and we shouldn't try and mix the two because it's just going to get way too messed up. Mm. The thing I learned, do you say about the slippery slope of like, um, say with like, um, um, for the Nazis of like, I was learning about free speech and like in America, hate speech is protected as free speech, whereas in Europe it's not. And the, the, the major difference is that, you know, Germany and Hitler was able to, because effectively almost hate speech was used to to be as propaganda that's where it started and you know hitler when he started out germans loved him he made roads he made railways he made loads of jobs a bit like alice you say in china you give people jobs even if they're like random ones and so suddenly like look loads of people are employed or whatever and also changing stats or where we like oh women don't count as employed people and jewish people don't count as employed people so look everyone's employed and part-time work is also full-time work so but like it, it was that thing of using having something of like well this guy's really good and maybe we've like sacrificed a little bit but it's for the greater good and then at some point it turns and changes and then it's that slope isn't it so that that's the fear and there's you could say an example of what is initially a good idea be like oh well we, we're going to stay insular we're going to do everything ourselves we're going to work out and like this guy who's the head he's going to stay the head and it was all working well of those little things which slip and slide and yeah, mm. can no, I, I just? Think, yeah, um, you need to make a bit of framework that's robust enough to not be able to be sort of, you know, 
have one one person who can just come in and you know like obviously there's people spent their life studying the rise of Hitler and how, how you managed to do this in this specific case but I think people fall back on that as an example too often if that makes sense yeah I think it yeah, was, yeah. It was a very abnormal yeah. uh, without understanding yeah. like yeah, all just, the things it's just sort of the whole thing about free speech <laughs> no no I'm with you I'm with you that with hate speech is protected mm. whereas in Europe it isn't yeah no but that's that, I mean that's a fair point because in the sense that it's very it would be very easy for someone who wasn't really thinking at the time to say oh well like yeah, see, hate speech, like, I mean, like, if you could have all kinds of speech, like, what even is the difference between hate speech and just speech that I don't agree with? Like, I'm offended by mm. that, so therefore that's hate speech. It's like, well, actually, you can actually make clear, defined lines for certain yeah. things, and if you cross them, then that's it. And so the here, like, the, the kind of the summary of one of the counter-arguments for this arbitrary line, slippery slope argument, mm. which is where you don't know between eventually we get to non-voluntary or voluntary euthanasia is that you can actually choose to have very specific rules and you don't cross them and then later on if you want to maybe they there is a push to have involuntary euthanasia well non-voluntary sorry um of children with severe deforma deformations that you can actually bring it to a court and assess it and talk about it it's not a slippery slope in the same way that pharmacy isn't a slippery slope that, well, they sell these drugs at a pharmacist. Why don't they sell cocaine? <laughs> it's like, well, actually, like, we they have, have clear place, distinctions. Yeah, right. You have lines and you choose them and you, you draw those hard lines and you stick with it. And it's illegal to cross mm. them. And then, therefore, <laughs> it's not a slippery slope. Yeah. So what do you think? This is tied into this a little bit. You're about with the, um, the age things. What do you guys think if there was a kind of a pension style age for euthanasia whereby... At a certain age, once you're old enough, then you get it. As in, like you've lived a good life oh, now. It's forced. I think <laughs> like, like no, 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 not not like forced. You're God, old God, enough, no. you can choose it. Or but yeah, but no, just just you're given the choice more freely at a certain age. Because obviously, one of the sort of you know pushbacks to the whole thing about it is that obviously you know anyone any age could start or any time in their life could start saying, oh, you know, yeah, you know, don't want to live anymore. This is you know, and then therefore, you know, if if all of this became came legal out of uh, you know sort of as a thought experiment but so where what did you guys think of, that, of an idea of if you could if there was like when you turn 80 or 90 or whatever you know whatever age it would be you're then like you now have the uh more more personal yeah, <laughs> pretty much you can get you have more personal liberty in that respect yeah i mean yeah yeah i mean i guess it goes down to i don't, Choices, I think if that would never come across as a policy because it would come across too much like you want to kill old people. Could you imagine like being a politician like, we want to demand that when you're <laughs> over a certain age, you can just choose to die. We're not saying you have to, but we're just saying you should. We want you to be able to choose that option. It's the implication. I think that this, as a, as a, I guess, kind of humorous point is completely pointless because the majority of people who want to end their lives when they're older rather than those who when they're younger have some debilitating suffering that they're like pain it's i think those are, when they're much much older it's generally mental illness don't you think no, i think well there's loads of like um, cancers and things like that can cause you like unbearable pain that you know that, like, if, it's, if it's terminal then obviously then that's when okay i'll give you a fact okay i'll give you a stat then since we're going there um so, of the 2,023 patients that underwent euthanasia in Belgium in 2015, 926 patients were older than 75 years of age. And 
I've got to find out now Wait, where sorry. it was. Yeah, okay, yeah. That's... Over the instant fire. Sorry. I guess I the idea is it's related to quality of life. And the worry is when someone's younger is you worry about what quality of life you've yeah, been able right. to attain at all. Whereas when, say, you're over 70 or 80, you're like, well, to be honest, we can probably show that you've had a good quality of life or the opportunity of... I guess that's it's probably the opportunity, isn't it? You've had the opportunity for a good quality of life, whether or not you had it. So now you've, we're giving you an option because it's the same with like um, for people if they want uh, hysterectomies or they want um, the snip, what's it called? Vasectomies. Vasectomy, not castration. Um, if you're under 30, it is a lot harder to get it than when you're, when, than yeah, say, and you, if you haven't had, had kids, had yet, kids yeah. than if you're not, because they're like, yeah. well, just in case, we don't want to risk it. We don't want to mm. get it wrong, effectively. Yeah, it, yeah. Makes, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, um, but yeah, so to go on to the, the country thing, you mentioned Belgium there, for you, obviously. I mean, you can give you a second to find that stat for you. But um, yeah, so in terms of obviously Belgium was, I believe, the most, it's got the most liberal views on. Um, euthanasia in the in, certainly in Europe um, yeah what did you guys find out any, any sort of interesting uh, disparities between Belgium and UK's policies and I mean I did but I also did find something super interesting that I think you should read literally said should older people who are not severely ill have the right to ask for assisted dying and it said that actually a significant number of relatively healthy older people who are over 75 who are just ready to you know to die and I thought that that is actually mad, and I didn't see this when I was doing my research. So I am. I saw it, it was initially as like a funny video of the thing. It was oh, like, some... why do you keep saying funny and fun? Well, because well, because I think it was prefacing like, oh, that's so silly what this old person said. But then of some, it was like a video of some ninety-year-old woman's birthday. Like she was ninety-three, and it was a cake saying ninety-three, and she was like, oh, not another year, and then. I watched this with somebody said I think they had a similar thing of where like a grandpa effectively expressed like I'm just old I've had a lot of years I've had a good life I'm happy and not effectively like you just you feel you've, you've done it you know you've done well and now you're just prolonging it it's not like you're particularly ill or mm. you know maybe you're a bit afraid I thought you weren't going for funny haha more like <laughs> the, the video is because people were laughing because the woman being like oh not another year kind of like oh I see that, that kind of like a dark humour but it's actually been, no, that wasn't, it probably wasn't here even trying to be funny. It may just because, like, you get tired, you know. Just mm. Oh, yeah, that's mind. what this article I just had a quick mm. scan of literally said. Like, there's a large proportion of old people who are just going to bed each night, fine, just hoping that one day they just don't wake up. And I was like, wow, I actually did not read anything. I didn't focus my um, research on this area, but that's quite enlightening. I didn't, because I, I guess we're that's... young, so I'm I just like, I've got so much to do. Depression, actually... when it, people who have depression, that's kind of how, how you feel, right? So. It is, and obviously that's cure, you know, treatable. Uh, but that's if you're having in a a healthy young person. But say if you're in your eighties and you're, or you're let's say nineties, and you're like, no, I mean, all my friends are dead, my kids are all happy, I've fulfilled all my life goals, and I kind of just I'm waiting now. Mm. You know, I'm watching TV, yeah. I'm eating my food, and it's, I'm not going to achieve anything more spectacular. I'm like, you know, like maybe that's. And it's not; it's more of a place of contentedness that you're like, I'm kind of done. I don't know. But then me just I would just the only thing I'd I'd like counter that with is like, I again I'm not in that position, but it would be interesting having you know programs of um, activities or like ways that people who are healthy enough, even if they're old, can help, like be babysitters or something, or um, assist. Play people. Scrabble all day. Or play Scrabble all day, but 
That's why video games might be huge when we're when we're adults. Uh, when we're adults, <laughs> says the twenty-seven-year-old talking to her father. I still, I still don't. Feel we're still teenagers, man. Deep down, yeah, that's funny. Oh dear. So, Johnny, you were saying with countries. Um, my question before about sort yeah, of Belgium and the, and the UK and everything else. Yeah, so I've got a few of the countries. The biggest thing, so I'll name a few countries where assisted suicide is legal. It's Belgium, Canada, Luxembourg, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Spain, five states in Australia. I think Portugal is on the way. I think like this year it's going to be enacted or they're going through the process. Um, and most states to qualify for physician-assisted suicide must be certain criteria, including terminally ill, of sound mind, voluntary and repeated expression of their wish to die um taking and then for them to take a specified dose by hand that's the biggest thing so even switzerland is i think a lot of at least in the uk i feel like people think oh that's the place where people you know go to die whatever but euthanasia is still illegal but assisted suicide isn't and the difference is i mean the key difference is that euthanasia is somebody effectively giving you a dose and killing you to help you die or for a good death, whereas assisted suicide is very much, no, you are still killing yourself or committing suicide, it's that you're getting the help that you need to do it when you may not be physically able. And that's why I thought it was funny because the Netherlands both are legal, whereas Switzerland, euthanasia isn't legal. The last, I think the, it was from 2019, I think it was, which I was looking at. Um, but yeah, and another thing of euthanasia in the uk so we we do have it as illegal assisted suicide and euthanasia but it does occur it's very rare um but this was in 2009 they did i think assuming an anonymous study of 3700 medical professionals and 0.2 percent of deaths involve voluntary euthanasia so obviously where a patient says please would you be able to end my life i a doctor or whoever that then accepts the request um and 0.3% involved euthanasia without explicit patient request. And Freddie saying that could have been non or involuntary euthanasia. Um, but apparently there was no assisted suicide recorded though. So it was a case of people do help others to die, but maybe not for them to do it. I guess the other thing as well, it's probably more of a trace for if you hand somebody something for them to kill themselves compared to you putting extra morphine or something like that. Hmm. So that was quite interesting. So, Johnny, I hear you were also did an individual case study for this. Um, a Miss Diane Pretty, I believe. Yeah, so this was a woman, I think it's the first case in the 21st century. She was somebody who had a court case, well, to, to ask the government effectively to change the rules on assisted suicide. So she had motor neuron disease, uh, she had a couple of years, and it effectively took away her whole life. She had to be cared for around the clock by her husband and nurses. Um, and she wanted to control the time and the manner of her death. Uh, due to her condition, yeah, they need help. She asked the government her, that her husband wouldn't be prosecuted if he helped. So it was all about the assisted suicide because she couldn't do it herself. So she said, she asked the government, can please, can I have my husband help me to to assist in the suicide? And then can he not be prosecuted? Went to the House of Lords because at the time that was the, the biggest court. Um, and they rejected her saying the right to life does not include a right to die. They also said that the right to private life did not include a right to decide when and how to die, which I feel is like a it's a weird one when they put it like that. It really feels like no, we're not giving you control. We're not allowed. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, the other thing as well in 1961, this there's the Suicide Act, which changed. It used to be illegal to commit suicide. So if somebody attempted suicide, you could be arrested for it, and it was mm. illegal. But they changed it. 
So it's decriminalized in 1961. You get sectioned more than likely mm, rather than yeah. sent to jail. <laughs> yeah, right. Which is a good thing. Um, but yes, she then she wasn't happy with the with the House of Lords, so she took it to the European Court of Human Rights, and she argued that the right to life includes a right to choose whether to carry on living. And the court disagreed. They said the right to life was not determined by quality of life, so couldn't be interpreted as also giving a right not to die. Um, but unlike the House of Lords, they did say that Diane's right to choose how to end her life uh, was within her right to respect um, uh, right to respect for private life. But they said the UK ban on assisted suicide um, could be justified to protect the vulnerable. So it was a case of, unfortunately, she's rejected. So this, I think it was one of the first cases in the 21st where someone tried to change the rules on assisted suicide. And unfortunately, she was rejected by the UK and then again by European uh, court, which just, it just feels a bit sad, really. Um, but I I do I say this in a very, hopefully, a caring way. I'd say almost fortunately, or in a good for her, is she died a, less than a fortnight after she the, the she was rejected. So... I mean, not that that's nice in any sense of the word, but I guess what she'd been fighting for, she was able to at least. It wasn't. It wasn't what she wanted because she wanted to choose, but it still, I guess, ended her suffering. Mm. But yeah, you know, I like that. That's a, yeah, that's a, thank you for sharing that. Um, do you think how how much do you think dignity plays a part in all of this? Hugely, right? Mm. I mean, like literally, like the way you were saying it then. Like, imagine the court. Or just imagine a group of random blokes, probably, saying right. to you, no, you don't own your own body. No, if you, you can't do that. Like, we choose what you can do with your own body. What is, is there anything less dignifying than not yeah. having control over the one thing that you feel like you should? And I think that's what changed. This is, I think the way that it was worded for why they said no, it wasn't because of like, oh, we're just trying to protect people. You know, we're about the slippery slope or something like that effectively said no we don't give you the right to choose what you do with your life and it really felt like wow it feels like such a, like an almost like an infringement to be like no you can't do what you want and we're going to tell you that um the way that was put felt so different from all the other kind of arguments yeah, right. for or against is so yeah, do you think they, they, there's obviously yeah, obviously worried about a sort of dangerous precedence and like you say there's a reflecting there but yeah it is obviously that's why it's still such a you know um contestable issue right because there is such it's so individual, like you say, it's so mm. different on an individual basis and so susceptible to um, these sort of loopholes and, and, and to be abused. So, yeah. Um, but like I said, I think like I said dignity was one of the big things that I think comes across in terms of when you get towards the end of your life, especially, and you're in a place where this is, yeah. Go on, Fred, sorry. You're... I'm, I'm sorry, you just said that it's so susceptible to being abused. Yeah. Like, isn't the whole point that no... That that's the big that's the issue. I think that it's not susceptible to being abused because I think that we'd have such strict regulation of it, and it would, you'd have to fill out certain things, tick tick tick, to be allowed to go through this process. If we're assuming it's a voluntary one, not the involuntary but one. I think, mm. Would you but, say assisted suicide or euthanasia though? So you know, one is somebody, well, inverted commas. I feel, it's a, but you know, killing you, and the other one, you, you committing suicide, but with help. So. Well, I think that if you went down the assisted suicide had to be done with a very certain chemical, which I mean, I, I researched what it is that's used and that was the only legal way of doing it. I mean, I think that it could be regulated really well and mm -hmm. anything else is manslaughter. And therefore, if you want slash um, murder. So if you want to have it legalized, you can. 
and have it with this very certain protocol and then it's okay i think that it could be done in a way that's not abused and twisted which is i just think there's there's so much at stake and it's so obviously permanent and such a like that with the obviously the best one in the world we, we want to create it so that it wouldn't be so it would make it difficult to be abused but when there's this much at stake i think it would be it would be open to i, I think it's more open to abuse just as first soon as you start it I, 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 i'm not saying that's a reason you shouldn't shouldn't try obviously that would be a terrible logic to oh you know we can't have this law because it might be abused so but i was saying i, I think it, it will be or it, it would certainly be attempted in that way yeah I, I can see i think the biggest thing as well for like um I don't know in the UK. They I think there isn't like an official one, but like effectively in the, the states, you have a Hippocratic oath. We are trying your very best to keep somebody alive. So like um, it, it, the the another thing as well, the same with a lot of things about anything coming with death. Same with uh, late stage abortions or like things of like there's even the countries where it's you know legal. It's it, sometimes you can struggle to find somebody to do it. So same with euthanasia, you'll need to make sure you usually I think you need two doctors to sign off in it and someone to help to do it. So I think I wouldn't put the choice of who the medical professional to take that choice lightly. I think that would be the biggest thing is you're weighing up the circumstances. And usually I think the biggest thing, at least currently, would be that you'd struggle to do it because people wouldn't let you. You know, be like, actually, no, I'm going to reject this case just in case because I don't want to get sued. Can I? That's the, can the, I, the biggest thing yeah. is someone getting sued. Sorry, I'm going to draw a potentially totally mis misaimed um analogy kind of parallel here but for me i see it as the difference in assisted suicide and people abusing it is the same as um adopting a child and kidnapping a child like the the amount of legality and paperwork and proof that you have to go through to to adopt a child prove that you have good income prove that you have a good house they come to you they check on the child every three months they check if it's going to be okay like you have to go through this huge bureaucratic process to get a child in the uk at least and then if you try and kidnap a child yeah it's possible but it's god it's gonna be difficult (laughs) and it's gonna potentially go really really badly for you i would see like assisted suicide is this that if you have you go through a good process it's carefully laid out and you tick all the boxes and it's fine versus you just going straight ahead and trying to help kill your partner or friend mm. i think, I think a, yeah again we've got to look at the time frames as well i guess for that like the adoption thing and versus I mean, it's, it's an interesting circle of life kind of thing you know obviously like like taking your life and then taking care of a new life and and, and uh you know and then anyone but yeah i think i I, definitely, I do agree with you that obviously if in i'm sure in countries where it is legal like in belgium it's it would be it is it's not just you know Phone me, doctor. Oh, I'm feeling a bit poorly today. Oh, well, would you like some pills to make you feel better or some pills? To... <laughs> so, yeah, obviously, it's it would be fairly, very, very heavily regulated. But yeah, I, I, I can see that as a, as a good analogy, to be fair. Um, so, very, in terms of, like I said, this, this whole ownership thing, one of the other things I think you said was about euthanasia for pets, right? And obviously, this is another thing that kind of got me started thinking about this topic in the first place, which I mentioned in the first half about this whole death as a neutral welfare state kind of thing and how, you know, we make it seems like an, almost an easier decision for, for, you know, the whole ending suffering argument and element of this as a, as a topic was um what were some of your findings this week yeah so it's not just pets it's just a bit of domestic animals too because uh, i mean you know, like not just not slaughter necessarily but at, like they do overlap <laughs> for food but like that it's there's a very variety of reasons but obviously the issue comes with that it's not just if your pet is sick and or dying it's unwanted pets or 
pests as well. So all of this overlaps. Like, I mean, the culling of deer or the culling of foxes or the culling of badgers overlaps a little bit with just getting rid of, for example, when um, foot and mouth happened in the UK, I mean, and a lot of other countries, that suddenly you had to have mass killings of um, cattle to stop the spread of this disease. Um, but yeah, I kind of focused as much as I could on just the pets, like cats and dogs and small animals, and that it is seen as mercy killing. And often, you know, I guess pets don't really have, in the same way as humans do, like property and gain. You can't gain much from killing an animal, really, in the same way that some people argue you would if you allowed it to be legalized for like your grandma. So, like, it seems more kind of black and white i guess it's yeah, like right. the the, the yeah. pet is suffering it's having a bad time there's it's only going to live longer in horrible pain it's best just to let it go or to put it down or to um i can't remember the other way of saying it go to sleep put him to sleep off to the I farm guess. in the sky yeah I mean, that's it isn't it there's like no ulterior motives when it comes to a pet whereas suddenly if you say oh well grandma who's got a really big you know like inheritance for me like are you sure you're not feeling really ill and like i can just shave off five years kind of thing that's i mean that's that's a very like (laughs) crude way of saying it but with animals you can bet it's always the best the animal's best intention and a vet can clearly see that it's like and usually it's recommended whereas when it comes to a human there are so many reasons of why somebody may choose for somebody else or why they may not want them to be there anymore you know the whole thing to be legal this is where the sort of like substituted judgment comes in, right? Where you sort of have to have, again, with this, if you're going to have like sort of, um, you know, litigation on it, but it would need to be so, so rigorous because, yeah, you need to have, for you to be able to stand in for someone who either can't speak for themselves or for whatever reason is, you know, is incapable. But for you to be able to say, okay, I'm making this decision on behalf of this other person, that's where the real, real difficulty of this comes in, right? I mean, and that's exactly what it is for pets. Mm. That's the yeah. thing. And yet with pets, we're like, no, it's fine. Because it's like, look, they're suffering, obviously. And everyone's like, yep, fair enough, they're suffering. Mm-hmm. Well, you um, do have power of attorney for, for people of where that's say, you can also have like a an NDR, which is, oh no, a DNR, do not resuscitate. So somebody as, with power of attorney over somebody else, I think I've, I've signed on for my mum actually. Um, she, I'm not sure why she wanted all of us kids to do it, but it, it means that effectively, say somebody isn't able to make a choice, you have the rights over that person. So I guess when it came to almost like a euthanasia later on, it may be easier if you've got power of attorney. That means actually that person's accepted. Yes, it, to a point of where I'm not able to make decisions for myself properly. This person I am allowing to make decisions for me, and this is all legal. Whereas I guess the biggest thing would be. That person never said, gave you power of attorney. They never trusted you enough to say, I'm going to give it that. Or maybe they didn't even think to do it. So I think that's where the biggest issues of, you know, like the reasons why someone's doing it will come into. Mm. No, I, I definitely agree with that. But, um, yeah, so one, I'll give you one little final point that to um, sort of to, to dwell on, maybe, or just as, I don't think it's a teary way to end, but it's, um, it's a point to say the least. Uh, it's basically that death is only a tragedy for the living. What do you guys think of that as a as a as a thing? Do you do you find any comfort in that? Do you do sort of think? I don't know. I mean, was it Keanu Reeves? Depends what you believe. Of when, um, he was asking a shit talk show host, strong question of like, what happens after we die, and it was I think he said the people who love us will miss us, mm. and that's 
the thing we as you write us it's the thing we definitely know with 100% accuracy is that when you die people will miss you mm, and exactly. you know because that's all we can know for sure yeah the infinite uh, infinite well of wisdom that is Keanu Reeves how we should maybe end <laughs> end where it's on but any any, any final thoughts guys to, um, as well well um, just one final point that I thought was really interesting um, is basically a potential positive to euthanasia other than ending of people's suffering is organ donation yeah <laughs> so oh. you know it's been a cheery episode when that's the cheery point at the end of it right <laughs> Yeah. yeah. No, I like that. No, go on for a bit. Like... So, so generally in the EU, as far as I know, it's agreed that you can't donate organs if you're above 75 years old. Oh, um, I can and, see that being uh, accessible. Yep. And so therefore, if you go through with you... Same reason you can't give gone-off food to a food bank. <laughs> Are you calling my grandma <laughs> gone-off food? <laughs> uh, also, of course, it depends on what the person is suffering from. Uh, or the re- the reason that they want to end their life. So, for example, in the Belgian study that I actually mentioned earlier, of the 2,023 patients, um, half of them couldn't donate because they were too old. And then of some uh, 1,372 of those patients had some form of cancer or some other very severe infection, and that kind of affected what they could donate. And actually, three of those patients had HIV, um, so actually, in the end, only 10% were potential donors with at least one suitable organ for donation. So it's not actually as much as you might think, because often the reason for wanting to end one's own life is that you're suffering from something of the body having a bad time. Mm-hmm. So you, it doesn't make a huge kind of like, it's not as huge as I thought, but actually it still is pretty big If in the sense that it's still... It's a thin silver lining, but it's a silver lining. Because line. all of these organs would be collected at the hospital i mean you're literally in the hospital like you get everything ready set up it's like right they're about to die and then boom it you've already checked if they're a match for someone if you know what i mean so mm. it could be a potential benefit that actually uh could change some of the thoughts towards euthanasia um it's up to so i mean abby yep. said organ donation is really weird in hospitals because it is properly like vultures like because obviously it, it, we've got to do it fast like, yeah because it needs to be as fast as possible so it is they try to do it without any of the patient's family seeing it but it's a case of especially if you've got people around like they've died now and then they are organ donation and we're happy with it and it's like we need to really open them up as quick as we can and they're as i said you can see them waiting there and they'll have like stuff ready for it like but it's because it seems really like insensitive but it's like you're going to save somebody's life with that you know in their death they are saving people's lives but it needs to be like immediate like unfortunately yeah there's such a beautiful video of this um this couple like with this um this guy who's like their son's heart is now in this guy's body and like yeah that's it's such a sweet thing yeah that's right let's do it all right well that's true we're gonna end the episode off there so yeah thank you for joining us this week this week this has been no idea yet as always with uh myself johnny and freddie and um yes thank you for listening we'll have a perhaps a slightly cheery one next week but uh you'll find out Thanks for that. Bye for now.